the idea that suffering could actually unite me to Christ and his sufferings and, mm-hmm. and could offer me this revelation of, of the cross and of, of the humanity that Jesus took on, it just became so attractive to me in a way that it was like magnetic. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, I was just yeah. obsessed with that, mm-hmm. that, that whole teaching and that whole idea for a long time. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hey, y'all. This is Lori Harris, and I am reluctantly posting this episode of Upside Down Podcast. If you have been a longtime listener, you know I have never hosted one of these before because I am not a host. Peer uh, pressure. Uh, yes. I love today's guest. We are deviating from our normal interviews or our, our normal episodes and I, we're interviewing one of our co-hosts, Shannon Evans. Yay. And uh, we love Shannon. Shannon is the Thank only you. one of these people I've actually met in real life, and what she what? is exactly mm-hmm. like you would expect her to be. She's Isn't awesome. that kind of crazy that I don't, I guess, so Shannon, you've met Kayla in real life and Lori in real life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Has anyone met Lindsay in real life? No. I, I think Kayla said she met her once really briefly a long time ago. Okay. But it was sort of like at a booth or something. Yeah. Okay. It just blows my mind. So, Christy, you've never met anybody in real life? I think Kayla and I may have met at the Influence Conference a few years ago. Okay. But it wasn't, I mean, we didn't like, I don't think we had dinner or anything. If we did, it was like with a big group. So Right, right. Um, There's a reason why I haven't met Christy. I mean, we go like towards her way <laughs> twice a year. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. I just leave town every time you come. She does. She knows we're coming. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> So we're going to talk to Shannon today, and we're going to ask her all the stuff we don't know about her, which is, I think, a lot of stuff, Shannon. Mm-hmm. I know you're Catholic. There's a lot of stuff in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really excited. <laughs> so we're going to kind of start with some rapid-fire questions. Is that, is that okay? All right. Hit me. Okay. What song do you sing to your kids? <laughs> Stevie Nicks, Landslide. Yes. <laughs> that's probably, nice. Yeah. That's, that's probably the most frequent one. I, I do... Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Mm. I really love singing that over my children. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good one. And then some other ones too, but but those are two of our our ones that have that have stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? I am both. Right now, I have a mug of tea, but you know what? I actually did kind of a, a break from coffee for like ten days, not not very long ago, and right now I'm trying to avoid. Um, sugars and like um, Mm -hmm. processed food and stuff so I'm not using creamer right now I'm just Mm -hmm. using and I'm trying not to do a lot of dairy so I'm just using like honey or maple syrup Mm -hmm. with nothing else like in black coffee Mm -hmm. and what I've realized about this is that I don't really like coffee as much as I just like creamer (laughs) yes So well, maybe my answer should be tea I don't know yeah well I think coffee I've I've done periods of time where I've done that and I feel like if you're going to drink coffee black, it has to be really good coffee. Like you can't, you really need to be going to like a local roaster and getting your coffee and grinding it before you, it's just not, it's it's just not as good. Yeah. Folgers just doesn't stop. Right. I'm just kidding. We don't use Folgers, but (laughs) but yeah, I mean, and and our coffee is pretty good Uh and I'll do black coffee every once in a while, but mostly I like it 
I like it sweeter. Mm-hmm. And sweet tea. Mm-hmm. Now, like usually I drink hot tea, but I could literally drink a pitcher of sweet tea every single day of my life. I, oh, I love it. I, it would why do you like myself, sweet tea? Like, why do you like good. that? You're not from the South. <laughs> I am. Oh, well, I'm from mostly from Texas, but my gotcha. all of my family is from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So I grew up oh, like yeah. drinking tea so sweet mm-hmm. you can hardly stand it oh yeah. man i can't i can't handle it I, i've never had a glass of sweet tea that i liked or oh, unsweet tea you're from indiana i know funny. well you know at this point i'm like half and half though i've lived half my life oh really mason dixon yeah wow but i but my roots are midwest yeah so. they didn't put sweet tea in your bottle they did no <laughs> they put like diet That's free pepsi aka like <laughs> weird caramel colored bubble water mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Are you a city girl or a country girl? You know, mostly country. I mean, it's all relative because I feel like people in Iowa feel like Ames is like a pretty big city, and mm-hmm. but I feel like it's a small town. Ames is the name of the town we live. But like compared to my husband, my husband really wishes that we lived in New York City mm-hmm. and he really misses oh. living, living in Dallas. You know, mm-hmm. like I am pretty happy in small towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm also a very adaptable person. So I think, I kind of mm-hmm. like them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could totally imagine you like as an urban homesteader mm-hmm. with chickens. Right. And... I, I've been wanting yeah. chickens for a long time. I'm not as good at gardening. I'm better with animals because they're like Me fun. Too. <laughs> yes. Plants, I just end up letting die or uh-huh. forget to plant them and have the seeds for three years like I have in my kitchen right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of a farm. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Hmm. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I'm a huge introverts huge mm-hmm. I really really enjoy being around people and kind of grew up really exposed to a lot of people my dad was a pastor when I was a kid and so he was a pastor of our church until I was eight and then for the rest of my childhood adolescence he was an interim pastor so we would go to new churches like mm-hmm. every year or every two years he would be at a new church um, mm-hmm. and it was just sort of his side job on on the weekends so I was kind of constantly meeting new people and having to to make small talk and you know so it was I really it was good it was really good for me for such an introvert because I really learned that I really do enjoy people but like yeah as far as what refreshes me I could be alone for like three days in a row and not blink an eye and I would love it yeah. <laughs> yeah. me too yeah Shannon I think we should take a vacation together and, not and you take what yes you take one room and I'll take one room we'll just smile at each other don't bring me I will ruin <laughs> My, I have a friend who does silent retreats every now and then, and she's pretty extroverted too. And so I really admire her for mm-hmm. going to do that. But it, like I, for my job, I like will go to retreats or to conferences and I have like, you know, they're paying my way. So I have my own hotel room, like, you know, all of that. And I have mm-hmm. not gone once without inviting a friend. <laughs> Really? <laughs> to sleep in the room with me, to like be there with me so I'm not by myself. I gotta That's I should so probably funny. challenge See, if myself. I got, if I was offered that opportunity, I would like could not get out the door fast. Right. I'm trying I'm trying to, to Yeah. I'm trying to not yeah. keep inviting people. Even though it's been great. I mean I really I leave feeling yeah. Anyway, that's Hey, I, I love I could do it. Yeah, yeah but I, I just, love people, but I just like when you said we were taking our retreat, you know, in March, and you said, and everybody gets their mm-hmm. own room. I was like jumping up and yeah. down, like, yes, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah, yes, like this is yeah. the best thing ever. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it will be great. I, yeah, oh, I need gosh. to be okay being alone, is what I'm saying. 
So, Shannon, well, let me ask one more. Shannon, yeah. do you like, are you a thinker or a feeler? You know, okay, with Myers-Briggs, when that's, like, actually a thing, you know, thinker mm-hmm. or feeler, I'm a feeler, for sure. But, like, in my marriage, I think I tend to be more mm-hmm. the thinker, the mm-hmm. one who's, like, black and white. And mm-hmm. I definitely have that part in me. So I, I relate to both. But I guess, depending on the company, mm-hmm. but usually a feeler, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel kind of split down the middle. Yeah. I felt that way too. So how long have you been married? Been married 10 years. And how did you guys yeah. meet? We met at a small group at our church. So we lived in Waco, Texas, and we were both going to Baylor University at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were involved at this non-denominational church. And it was really big. Well, actually, you know what? That's not, that's not entirely true. My husband wasn't going there at the time. He was sort of not going anywhere because he mm-hmm. had sort of, he was like going through this kind of dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came He came to a small group because we had mutual friends. And so they asked him to come play guitar because he's a musician to come play and like lead us in worship. And so so he came and anyways, it, it was kind of cute because I could tell like the first time we met that he was like kind of interested in me, like kind of really cutely mm-hmm. smitten, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I have had, maybe we'll get into that a little later, but I've had a, had had, a history of really unhealthy relationships and just sort of like living a wild and crazy life and was trying to get back on track. So I was definitely not interested in dating. Mm -hmm. And I just really wasn't, I wasn't that impressed with him. And we joke about it now, but I think it's because because he wouldn't talk to me. Like he wouldn't speak. He was, Uh and you know, he's like, it's because I liked you. I felt shy. But then like months would go by and my friends would come home. I lived in a house with eight other girls at this time, Mm -hmm. a discipleship house. And my friends would come home and they would be like, Eric is hilarious. We just had the best time. And I was like, Eric <laughs> Evans? He's funny. Like, it just did not compute to me at all. It's like he had no personality. You know? um, so he actually asked me out like four months after we met, I think. And it was funny because like in our little circle of friends, no, no guy was asking out any of the girls. And so when my told, you know, I, I think I told him I would think about it, which is so weird, <laughs> but I don't even know what I would, anyway, um, so I, I hung up and I like talked to my roommates. I was like, I don't really like him, but I, I don't know. And they were like, Shannon, take it for the team. Right. Like you, you have turn to him do down. This. No one is going to ask any of us out again. <laughs> so we went out and we got, I, oh, I, cause he had invited me to dinner. And so I called him back and I was like, well, dinner feels a little formal, but like, can we just go get snow cones? And he said that he knew right then that there was nothing happening. You know? <laughs> so anyway, so we went out and, and it kind of died there, but like we, we were in the same small group. And so we, we kept seeing each other and ended up becoming really good friends. And then about almost an entire year since we met, I kind of broke and realized that I really did like him. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think, I think it was sort of, I didn't want to date anybody unless, unless mm-hmm. I was sure I was going to marry him because I really had just mm-hmm. screwed up the romance stuff so bad. I just didn't want to do it anymore unless it was going to be for good. Mm-hmm. And so once I kind of decided that, so we, we went into dating both of us, my husband is not like he had only dated one other girl and only for like three months. So he's mm-hmm. just not somebody who does it flippantly. And I was all in. So we knew right from the beginning. So we dated four months before we got engaged. And then wow. it was wow. like four and a half months before we got married. Mm, nice. <laughs> so that. yeah, mm-hmm. we, we went fast track on it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Fast track three kids. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it took us a while to, to get started. I was ready immediately, <laughs> but it took him a while to warm up. <laughs> yeah. So did you, what kind of cake did you have at your wedding? You know, I was kind of like Lori. Lori was like, she didn't really care that much about anything except the cake. I just mm-hmm. didn't really care that much about anything. I mean, I did have fun picking up my dress. So my cake was just sort of simple. It was wide. I think it had like some chocolate like drippings like mm-hmm. on the side. And then it had a bunch of Gerber daisies on top because that was like mm-hmm. my flower for mm-hmm. the wedding. So yeah, it was it was not phenomenal. And I don't really love cake anyway. Mm-hmm. So it I'm oh, gosh, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I love pie. I could eat an entire pie by myself, but I, I could take or leave cake. I think pie is, pie is like the... It's the vehicle for ice cream. Well, yeah, but... Oh, my gosh. Well, yes, but I think, like, one of my most, like, effortless, effortlessly cool friends had had pie at her wedding, and she didn't just have pie. She got married at, like... 10 in the morning and had this beautiful brunch reception outside and had people bring pie. And so I made these two pies and brought them in. (laughs) There's just this like, like this long table. It was like when it like really rustic, cool look, you know, it's like all of these homemade pies. The funny thing was her, I don't actually don't know if it was a relative of hers or not, but there's this older woman. (laughs) <laughs> who had a spoon and just was going down the line, no, no. <laughs> like, eating oh out gosh. of all of the, no. you know, like <laughs> one spoon. Yes, like further Ew. down the, like it was like way into the reception, so it wasn't like they were all in like pristine condition. But I remember looking up, like I had like carefully gotten my plate, was like planning which pie I was gonna take and then uh-huh. like taste, and then was like, oh. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I guess I can double dip. But anyway, I just it doesn't surprise me that you like pie cuz I just feel mm. like it's a it's it fits you. The pie speaks oh, for itself. It does. Okay. It should. It should. So, I think I I said this when we were talking to Lori, but I was kind of thinking through that like these conversations and I realized I have these like like ideas of things that you've done, Shannon, but I don't have a good, I don't have a timeline. Not, and I don't mean oh like gosh. what year. I just mean like, okay, oh, so yeah. you, what happened you were first? at Baylor. You thought mm-hmm. Eric was not funny. <laughs> 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 then you dated and got married. And then, so you got married, you got married. And then what happened? Like catch us up from okay. there. Very like 30,000 foot view. Take us from that to now. From the time that we got married. Sure. Where were you? Were you still in Waco um, when you got married? We were, but a month after, or no, I guess like two weeks after we got married, we lived in the pool house of my parents' house for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And Very then, Gilmore um, Girls of you. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> so then we moved to Kansas City and we were at the International House of Prayer for one year. Okay. And we were working just little jobs. I was like working at a daycare. He was working at Starbucks. And then we were just spending a lot of time in the prayer room and like auditing classes that they had. And then the final three months, we did an internship. And so I I think there's some really great things that I got from that time. And then there's some things that they ascribe to that I know that I have let go mm-hmm. at this point in my journey. But yeah, it was it was a really sweet time in our life. And it was it was a really sweet way to start off a marriage. You know, we were kind of on our own and it was lonely to some extent, but it was also kind of sweet to be like forging this new adventure together. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a good 
skill to learn because then we went on and we've now moved like nine times in 10 years or something like that. (laughs) So, yeah. So then we actually, while we were there, we were invited to join by some of our friends to join a missions team to Indonesia and Malaysia, Indonesia first. And then ultimately we were supposed to be going to Malaysia. And this was with the same non-denominational church that we went to when we were at Baylor. Um, And so we we moved back to Waco and we did their missions training schools for a year and a half. And then we moved to Indonesia for not quite two years. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, my husband, he had not finished his bachelor's degree and he decided that he really wanted to go back and finish in music composition. And so at that point we moved home. (laughs) But to further complicate things, we actually started the adoption process while we were in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't work out to adopt there or or anywhere in Southeast Asia. And so we were adopting from Uganda. So when my husband decided that that he wanted to go back to school, we waited until we got a court date in Uganda. And so then we just kind of made one big trip. So Mm -hmm. we went to Uganda and we were there for five weeks. And then the three of us our son Alyosha was um, turned 11 months when we were coming home. Three of us came back to Waco um, mm-hmm. so that he could finish at Baylor. And then, let's see, a year, <laughs> a year and a half after that, he graduated and we moved to, well, we, we lived in two different places, but he went and got his master's at University of North Texas in Denton. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so we were there for two years. And then, well, I guess three years, we were in a neighboring town for one year. Mm-hmm. And then a year and a half ago, we moved to Ames, Iowa, where we are now. Okay. So so you had a baby well, in North Texas oh, too, right? Yes. So we had our middle son, Moses, when we were in Denton, when he was getting his master's. And then we had our son, Tavi, last May here. Okay. So what brought you guys to Ames? Eric got a job at a church. Okay. And it was... Like his degree is music composition and his passion is composing. But after that many years of being in school with a family, I was kind of like, I need a break from, you know, like yeah. mm-hmm. he, he yeah. was interested in getting his PhD and teaching. You were like, no. I was like, <laughs> we just need some stability. And we had gone through, yeah, we had gone through a lot of really hard stuff with our oldest son of just really trying to understand his needs and trying to adapt our lives and, and what what we considered normal to what his needs were and trying to get help. And it had just been a lot. And Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, we just really need a season of stability. And Mm -hmm. so he took this job doing campus ministry and music for this church here in Ames, which has been great. And I've, I've really loved the church and it's especially fun for him to get to work with college students. He Mm -hmm. really is really enjoying that. So it's Mm -hmm. been good. Yeah. It's interesting that you, so you were going through, is it, I forget what you call it, but like when missionaries come home, you were going come, through yeah. that as you were gotcha. bringing your Ugandan born yes. son home. Yes. I hadn't thought through like. It was awful. Yeah. It was what a, absolutely awful. Because uh-huh. we came, we came back with him and 
And and honestly, part of it was we were living in Indonesia and we didn't know any adoptive families. And mm-hmm. so, and there were no resources there, no conferences to go to. And so we just really didn't have anybody speaking into our lives, giving us advice on like what would be best. Mm-hmm. But so we came home with him, you know, this 11 months old, 11 month old who had been through everything, you know, just, mm-hmm. just a really rough life and really needed consistency. And we didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So we lived right. in a mission. We lived in a missionary house for a month. We, we were, we were using the missionary car and then we eventually were able to get our own car. And then, you know, after a month we, we found an apartment that we moved to. So he moved two more, you know, two mm-hmm. more times. And, and then we had to acquire like furniture and we had mailed like kind of a crate of the basics that we didn't, you know, that we mm-hmm. could afford to ship that we didn't want to live without, but like we didn't have beds or couches or Mm -hmm. anything to furnish this little apartment and so it was you know and we're learning to be parents and we're not sleeping and he's starting school (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. just like and then we're yeah we're in reverse culture shock yeah um, of everything feeling unfamiliar yet it's supposed to be home and right just kind of feeling like we didn't fit anywhere and Mm -hmm. yeah it was so hard I I really regret the way that we did it and it seems ridiculous now that we just did it to save ourselves a plane ticket because mm-hmm. we thought it made sense and it was sort of a good, you know, good closure or whatever, but it was, it was a mistake, but mm-hmm. you know, we're still here. So yeah. I guess it was okay. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that moment was one of like the hardest periods in your life? Yes, definitely. Well, that it lasted about three years and it oh, wasn't, wow. yeah, it wasn't necessarily just because of all that, but, but there was, yeah, just everything with, this search for answers for Alyosha and like how to parent him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's fine now, but what's well, not fine, but it's much easier now because we, we have a lot more tools. We, mm-hmm. you know, we've been through a lot of therapy. We've been through a lot of adoptive parent training. Um, mm-hmm. We understand him better and he's on some medication that has been pretty life changing for us all too. And so I don't know. I don't know if I, yeah, I, there's there's so many things that he's dealing with, but mm-hmm. but most recently we found out that he is um, has autism, mm-hmm. and normally you know almost seven years old is pretty late to be figuring mm-hmm. that out, but um, because there was so much complicating complicating symptoms and mm-hmm. and things that that could have been from trauma or could have been from ADHD or could have been sensory, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and everything. And so we just had a really hard time finding answers. And so the autism piece is extremely helpful. And now we kind of feel like we have a lot more, Mm -hmm. a lot more resources, a lot more, just a place to, to fit our family. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the three years of kind of trying to figure out why parenting was so much harder for us than for everybody else and everybody telling us that it was normal and fine and we were like mm-hmm. dying mm-hmm. and not only because of him but but our own circumstances too with just like my husband's school and financially and um, my husband has some anxiety and so there was just you know mm-hmm. and and then myself just like coming apart at the seams as well anyway so that was for sure. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing that I've ever gone through. And, but it was also the richest, you know, mm-hmm. the most yeah. fruitful time of my life. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to take on both, you know, hold both hands open and take the hard right. with the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that, 
This is a great segue into what I was going to tell you Ann Voskamp says. <laughs> tell me what the Yes, I have to say it because, well, just when you're talking about Alyosha and just that period of time of just wondering, like, what is going on? And just mm-hmm. the grace of God to name it. Mm-hmm. Because yes. I think once you name it um, or you get some kind of answers, it's like it's like relief mm-hmm. because right. it helps right. bring into focus mm-hmm. almost right. the purpose behind it, why, and then how to move through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you have community around you to move through it with you. And I have, when I read her first book, I, that was like, it stood out to me because I just thought that's, that's what I want. I want you to name this for me mm-hmm. because if yes. I, if you can name it, then I can be okay with it. But mm-hmm. this right. unknown, I can't deal with. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people push back a lot on like, quote unquote, labeling children with uh-huh. certain diagnoses. Mm-hmm. But I think what's misunderstood is how helpful it is for the family <laughs> to mm-hmm. feel like they they have something to offer when people are wondering why their child is licking the pavement or you know like <laughs> yeah. things that that are really hard to explain and mm-hmm. you know and and a lot of times it feels like a reflection on your parenting and mm-hmm. that is incredibly stressful mm-hmm. um, yes. and just socially you don't have you don't fit you don't fit anywhere mm-hmm. and so to have words for what your family experiences and to have other people who identify with that as well. Like it gives you something to, like you said, it gives you a community. Mm-hmm. It gives you kind of a place. So I, I am all for labels. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that means that we're um, inhibiting our children's abilities or potential. I think it means that it's just giving us all kind of a safe space to retreat to when mm-hmm. the world feels too hard, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. It seems like uh, we probably don't need to get, maybe we could do this in a different episode, but you know, I know one of the things that I hear people say about adoption, and this is probably one of the questions that most people don't want to admit that they think about, but that is that you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And the reality is you don't know what you're going to get when you have a biological child either, but it may be at some point it might be good to kind of hear you talk through that because your, uh, your love for Alyosha is so obvious, but to, Mm -hmm. I think there's probably like some room for that middle ground where it's like, we, Mm -hmm. of course we, like, we don't, we would never like regret this decision. Like we, Alyosha Mm -hmm. is our son, but it was also really hard, you know? And like to be able to like speak into that, I feel like we should maybe talk through that at some point. Absolutely. Um, I think if anybody is listening now and really is like, I would love to hear more about that now. I wrote something for um, the website Romper about it, Mm -hmm. about how um, I think it's called I Adopted a Child with Special Needs Mm -hmm. and It Changed My Life or something. But the the premise being like we didn't realize that he had special needs when we adopted him. Mm -hmm. And so it really is that, you know, that that fear that people have of like, what if it's more than I can handle? And I can say it absolutely was more than we could handle. Mm -hmm. Um, But God was so good to us Mm -hmm. in that, even in, even in the despair and the heart, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyways, but I would love to talk about that on an, on a full episode. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. sure Lindsay and Caleb could add some good stuff to Mm -hmm. that too. Yeah, definitely. We're coming a little bit close on time. I feel oh, like sorry. we have so have much so more. Much. No, no, no. I feel like we haven't really even gotten to like so many of the questions I wanted to ask. I think probably one thing that people are wondering about, which we may need to talk about this another time, but you're the Catholic in the group. Yeah. And so you were saying that your dad, I guess, when did you join the Catholic church? And Right. So, yeah, I'm like going to just beeline in there because right. I know you said we're pressed from time and this is such a huge answer. Mm-hmm. But my, so I was raised Baptist and then 
kind of went the non-denominational route when I was in college and just kind of looking for my own church. It wasn't necessarily like a conscious, like pushing aside of Baptist theology. It was just more like, where do I like to worship on Sunday mornings? Mm -hmm. And so it, it was the church that we went to was a great fit. But then when we were in Indonesia and it was just, you know, it was mostly our team worshiping together. And then we came back and we had this, this little son who was very easily overwhelmed with sensory input. And we were at this church that wasn't a mega church. And Mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know, maybe it is now. I haven't been back in a long time, but it was big and it had like the lights and the loud music and everything. And it Mm -hmm. was really hard for him. And just like, just the crowded building even was overwhelming Mm -hmm. to him. And so, and honestly, it was really overwhelming to us too, because we had been out of that for so long that we, we really kind of felt that culture shock or the reverse culture shock of, of feeling like it no, no longer felt like home, even though we love the people so much. So we started looking around and we found this little Anglican church and it was meeting in the priest's home. And his wife, Erica, is actually in the Upside Down Tribe. <laughs> she listened. Um, Erica Jarrett. But, and they were amazing. And they were my intro into liturgy and church history um, and just living living a life that was kind of in rhythm with the church calendar. And I kind mm-hmm. of realized that I really, I really, really enjoyed that. I really yeah. got a lot out of it. And I liked that. And my husband had always been interested in that. And like I had mentioned when he was going... I feel like I'm talking really fast because I'm like, <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> um, he had gone through that dark night of faith, like right before I met him and church history and, and kind of the um, consistency of the Catholic church was really something that was a saving grace to him because mm. he looked back on the preservation of tradition and cause it, it, you know, his crisis was sort of like, I based my life on this Bible, but how do I know? that it's like, it's even true, you know? And so then that's where church history is such a a beautiful thing because we can see, you know, how it's been preserved over time. Anyways, so we moved away from, we really loved that little house church, um, but we moved away for his master's degree and we sort of just kept seeking. And and he was asking, actually, he had asked me, this is my big joke that I always tell when we were in Indonesia out of the blue one day, he had asked me, do you think that we'll ever be Catholic? Mm-hmm. And like, without pausing, I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, they like worship Mary or something. I don't know. Like, I, I believe they were Christians, but it was just all really weird to me. But with the with the introduction to it, I sort of, yeah, I just became more interested. I started reading some Catholic blogs and just learning more because I was I was enjoying the liturgical life. And so so there were things like their theology of suffering with that was one of the biggest things with what we had been through with Alyosha. And it was not necessarily that you can't be Catholic and not ascribe to the theology of suffering, because I know now I know a lot of people that do. But at the time, the the environment that we had been in was very much like contend for healing, believe for healing, mm-hmm. you know, don't stop asking God for healing. And I, and I didn't know what to do with that when it wasn't working, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and especially when it's not me, it's sorry, I might cry, but like, it's my child and, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do with his pain and I don't know what to do with my own pain and the way I keep hurting him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I needed answers. And so, so the idea that suffering 
could actually unite me to Christ and his sufferings and, mm-hmm. and could offer me this revelation of, of the cross and of, of the humanity that Jesus took on. It just became so attractive to me in a way it was like magnetic. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I was just yeah. obsessed with that, mm-hmm. that, that whole teaching and that whole idea for a long time. And there was their theology of the body was something that was really helpful to me as I was just, you know, grappling with issues of sexuality and different things. It mm-hmm. just made so much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were other things like confession. I, I was really drawn to that, you know, mm-hmm. and I think I think that the the pendulum had definitely swung. And so in some ways I was really pushing as far away as I could from from something that had felt insufficient and hurtful mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for my family. Mm-hmm. And so and I, and also just having so much structure, some, like answers and something authoritative was mm-hmm. really appealing at, at a time when my life kind of felt like I was lost at sea. Mm-hmm. But I think the universality of of Catholicism, the the word Catholic actually means universal. And I mm-hmm. feel like I feel at home here because I feel united not only to other Catholics, but to, I feel uni- completely united to Protestants. Mm-hmm. And I also, I feel more united than ever mm-hmm. just to humankind mm-hmm. in a way that, that I never did before. And a lot of it came out of that suffering with Alyosha mm-hmm. as well. But I feel like it sort of helped me stop seeing so many lines in the sand of, mm-hmm. of saved and unsaved or, or sinner and Christian or, you know, just all those mm-hmm. those barriers that we put up against each other and mm-hmm. and then the Eucharist, you know, this idea that it's the real presence, which is really different than how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. But um but that too kind of became this tangible symbol of ingesting not only Christ, but because he made himself human, like actually partaking of mm-hmm. of all humanity. And maybe that sounds like a stretch, but to me it, it really makes sense of uh-huh. like when I partake of the Eucharist, like I am binding myself to to all creation, like to every everyone that Christ mm-hmm. loves and, mm-hmm. and his whole creation, like his world, you mm-hmm. know, in a mystical way, but also a tangible way. Anyway, so that became really attractive to me. So I have a really hard time and I've never blogged about my switch to Catholicism. And I always avoid calling it a conversion because mm-hmm. I feel like I already knew Christ is just. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyway, so it's a, it's a concise word. So I haven't blogged about my conversion or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because it feels so hard to explain. Yeah. It feels like I could write an entire book on it and that feels overwhelming and I don't want to do that, right. <laughs> but, yeah. like, but it's just really hard to do in, you know, in an 800 word blog post or yeah. even a series. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was joking with Lori that I just shut down when things feel overwhelming. So uh-huh. anyway, hopefully that yeah. explains. I was like, I can breathe now. I was like telling it all um, <laughs> as quickly as I could because right. I know we're running low on time. Well, but. yeah. And I mean, it's it's good to remember that like, I mean, there's always more layers to the story and it's, but it's right. good yeah. for me to have that, you know, that picture of how that happened and why and Mm-hmm. I love, I know, like, we've talked about this with Lori, that God calls the whole family, you know, and like, yeah. I, I like knowing that that was part of your transition to Catholicism, that it was like, right, kind of started with the family. And we, when we were in Denton, and during the period that we 
were confirmed into the Catholic Church, we were involved at the Catholic Worker. And that's, I always talk about like, oh, when we were at the, the Catholic Worker or, oh, when we had people living with us all the time. <laughs> yeah. Jobbing. So I, for, I left that out of the timeline, but that was during our time in Denton, that was like our chance to, yeah, our introduction into kind of this fringe Catholicism of people who are really weird and <laughs> like, uh, like Catholic social teaching is so in depth and so beautiful. And um, and they took it so seriously and revolved their life around it. And mm-hmm. that's like, that's how I want to live. And that's the kind of Catholic I want to be. And it turns out it's hard, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to do that as a mom of kids. And I'm still trying to figure out what that looks mm-hmm. like. But I'm so thankful for, for that time of like genuine friendships with people who were in addiction and who were homeless and people who were really different than me, mm-hmm. um, as well as people who really inspired me with the way that they lived mm-hmm. their life. Anyways, yeah. So I just, I couldn't leave my interview without, right. without mentioning how impactful <laughs> that time was for yeah. me, for sure. Yeah. So for people who want to know more, where can they find you? Mm-hmm. Uh, my blog is We, comma a Great Parade, which usually incites a lot of confusion. And yeah, it's agreatparade.com. I guess okay. I should say that too, which is equally as confusing because they're different. <laughs> um, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook as We A Great Parade and Instagram is Shannon K. Evans. Okay. And yeah. okay, great. And then I guess if people have follow-up questions, we would love oh, to. Oh, and I also, I also am a devotional writer for Blessed oh, yeah. Is She, which is a Catholic devotion. So I should throw that out there. You can find me there too yeah. once a month. Awesome. So if people have follow-up questions, they can find you in one of those places or the Upside Down podcast Facebook page or Instagram (laughs) handle. What do we call this? Yeah. Yeah. Handle. handle. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, great. Well, this is so fun. I kind of hate to end it. I still have, yeah, I have like so many more questions. I know. Me too. Yeah. I know. I have a, yeah, I have a jam-packed full life and I didn't even tell you about how... I was going to be a famous actress or how I was going to... I know. Kenya as a woman. There's just so much. There's so much. (laughs) Well, we'll have to do it again or or figure out a way to like subtly ask these questions in normal episodes. Right. Yes. Speaking of acting, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks for hosting. 